Welcome to Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry, a podcast dedicated to changing the way women eat to lose weight so they can feel their hottest. I'm your host, Lauren Hubert, former fad dieter turned registered dietitian. Each week, I'll share all of my favorite healthy eating tips and swaps, help you through frustrations on your journey, and show you the science behind losing weight. Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry is here to make weight loss simple, fun, and easy to stick to for life. Hello, my beautiful people. We are here with the incredible Whitney Aronoff. She is an incredible chef based in California. She's going to be my friend when I move there really shortly. And I was actually a guest on her podcast after our conversation. I was like, girl, like, let's get our calendars out right now. We need you on the show. We need you on Hot, Healthy, Never Hungry. So we're just going to get into all of the good stuff today from all of her tips to how she cooks for five families plus herself, her business, and most importantly, how to be time efficient in the kitchen and actually make healthy food taste good. Whitney is going to be your girl. So anyway, without further ado, welcome Miss Whitney. Thank you. I'm so excited to share with your incredible audience how I'm able to cook for scratch for myself as well as all my personal chef clients. It's definitely a dance, but it's totally doable. It's a dance and it's doable. That should be a trademark. I love that. So before we dive into all of the tips and tricks, I want everyone here to kind of know the Whitney I know a little bit better. So talk to me about what made you get into the chef and personal cooking space because I'm sure there's a little bit of a backstory, if it's anything like mine, that inspired you to even even like food in this way. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, like many people in my 20s, I couldn't understand why my weight was fluctuating. And I also couldn't understand why I would have digestive issues, just bloating, just uncomfortable gut feelings, um, never knowing what I'm going to look like the next day. And I'm a beach girl. I grew up in Southern California. Like every day I want to be ready and available to go for a dip in the ocean. Um, So I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I went to so many different doctors from LA to New York, and no one could seem to give me any real tangible information that could help me. I mean, they weren't even asking me what I was eating. They were just saying, oh, you know what? Eat more steamed broccoli and and you'll be fine. And steamed broccoli has always been like one of my favorite vegetables. I'm thinking Um, like, okay, if you're struggling with bloating and then the doctor saying eat more cruciferous veggies, that's like a dietitian's worst nightmare. Like why were we giving that advice? (laughs) Exactly. So I just got to a point where I thought, you know what? I'm in my body. I know how I feel. I can learn to heal myself with foods and I just need to find someone that can work with me like a registered dietitian that can work with me. And I also need to find, um, someone that can be hands-on with me in the kitchen and actually teach me how I can get home from work and prepare a healthy meal within 30 minutes. And I found the natural gourmet Institute in New York city that did just that taught me traditional health supportive cooking. And I had just as many classes in a classroom with a registered dietitian. And so I was really able to do that, like figure out how to better nourish myself, how to better shop at grocery stores, how to understand the labels. I got all that information and I thought, this is life finishing school. Like I wish I would have had this right out of college. And now I just want to share that with everybody I know, because no one should have to, you know, put their life on hold to go back to school for eight months to learn this space basic information that I think we all deserve to have. It is life skills. And I think what is most impressive, and I've actually never said this to you, Whitney, 
But being on your show, what what I was so impressed about because you know when when I I've not that I've talked to a lot of chefs because I I haven't necessarily, but in the space that I've been, I've never really been around a chef that actually has really studied and even like knows a lot about what a dietitian is, and you know especially for you you not only are cognizant of what's what you're cooking and how you're cooking it and how to make it healthy, but you have such a really fresh breath of air for me around even how you think about food. And I think it just really shows the education that you put in and, and just the conversation about like where food's from and different ethnicities. I know you mentioned that on the show that you had me as a guest on. And I just think it's really cool that, you know, let's go there. You're not just a chef, but you're a chef that knows her shit and really applies the science of nutrition to trying to make food healthy. It's really cool. Well, when you realize that food is energy and it's a transfer of energy and you want to have a ton of energy because there's a lot of things you want to accomplish in your life. There's a lot of things you want to do every day. When you understand that concept, then you'll naturally start reaching towards things that are more whole foods, that make you feel good, that are less processed, it really starts to become easier to eat for feeling good, for looking good, for all the things that we want, because we simply know we're reaching for these things for the energy transfer. So whether it's choosing your fruit or choosing your chocolate, you will become smarter once you realize, oh, it's energy that I'm really searching for here. What were some of the biggest things that you learned throughout culinary school that were totally like mind boggling for you that you still even use today in your practice as a chef? A few different things. I would say number one, washing some of my grains. So washing rice, washing quinoa, you feel so much better after you eat it and the results are so much better. It's light and it's fluffy. It tastes better. Um, you feel better after you eat it. So that blew my mind. Two, when I went to culinary school, I was pretty still stuck in the dogma of eating right for your blood type. So Ooh, I was thinking- I didn't know that about you, Whitney. <laughs> yes, I was really stuck in that dogma. And I, I had gone years without eating chicken. And I wow. thought, if I eat chicken, I'm going to gain weight. Didn't matter the cut of chicken. And the culinary school that I went to sourced most of its ingredients from the farmer's market or directly from farms in Pennsylvania and upstate New York. Wow. And so all of our chicken came from Amish farms. And I had never, ever tasted chicken like that. It was wow. so delicious. And it gave me so much energy. And I also learned about how and what the difference is between white and dark meat. And if you take a look at an animal's body and you take a look at the part of the body, just like on humans that work the hardest, like our thighs work the hardest. We're going for jogs. We're going for walks. We're climbing up the stairs. That meat would be dark meat. You're going to get a larger transfer of energy when you eat the dark meat. So I started experimenting in culinary school and doing that and eating the dark meat instead of going for the chicken breast. And I was just overflowing with so much more energy and it was life-changing. You know what I'm hearing, Whitney? Going to culinary school and becoming a chef, not, I don't say like heal relationship with food, but yeah, it kind of like healed your relationship to food and made you appreciate food and not try to follow food rules. Like, like I, I love how you communicate about food, how 
there's better foods for you that are more nourishing. And then there's foods that are less nourishing and they're more fun. How you talk about food now, it sounds like is such a positive thing. It's not just about the nutrition and it's also about how it makes you feel, which is also equally as important as the nutrition in it. Yeah. And then that was another thing that I really got comfortable with is how to make a balanced plate. So both when I was working with chefs and working with the registered dietitians, they were both talking about balance on the plate. And then when you naturally start to be able to figure out the right amount of protein, the right amount of healthy starch, the right amount of vegetables that you're adding in, the color, creating the balance on the plate, the healthy fats, it doesn't just look beautiful to the eye, but it really does make you feel balanced. It really helps bring peace within by having a delicious balanced meal. And then those crazy sugar cravings naturally start to dissipate because you're having balanced, nourishing meals. I love it. And speak of balanced and nourishing meals. Okay. So I tell my followers, I tell my clients, I tell literally everyone just like you about balanced plates. Beyond that though, I also tell my clients specifically you need to nail down like two to three breakfasts, two to three lunches, two to three dinners. How do you, with your busy schedule, I mean, you're cooking for not just yourself, you're cooking for five full other families. Then you have your entire business, which is a whole other thing on the side as well. So talk to us about how you make cooking more time efficient, especially knowing a lot of women that listen to the show are moms or busy working women who want to lose weight. They want to feel their best. They want to feel their hottest. And they know they need to get their ass in the kitchen, as I like to say, but they also don't have a lot of time to get their butts in the kitchen. So how do you simplify cooking so you are eating really healthy, nourishing foods and you're learning this important skill getting in the kitchen, but you're also not wasting a ton of hours doing, you know, three hours of meal prep every day? Absolutely. Because the healthiest meal you can ever eat is the one you make at home. Because you control all the ingredients that go into your meal. You know the proper cooking methods that went into it. You chose the ingredients. You you know brought your mood or your kids and your family to the experience of preparing the food. And that makes it all taste better. So what I do is I make myself a nice Sunday night meal. So Sunday night dinner is, you know, I really plan it out. I make sure it's a healthy protein, a healthy starch, a healthy vegetable, and I always make enough for leftovers the next day. So oh, I set myself up. Are we the same person? I love this, Whitney. <laughs> that's the best advice. Yeah. And then when you're making Sunday night dinner, that's when you prepare your add-ons to make your life easier for the week ahead. So that's when I bake some extra protein. So that way it's easy for me to prepare my salads for the week. So I go into the weekend, I go into the week already having my protein done. I picked my lettuce for the week. I know the additional toppings I'm going to throw on. And I already have that concept put together. Mm -hmm. I have my leftovers prepared Sunday for Monday night dinner, and then I'm doing additional add-ons. So maybe I'm cooking some extra sweet potatoes. Maybe I'm making some short grain brown rice, hard boiling eggs. I'm doing all additional add-ons just to make life a little bit easier for later in the week. And then I do this all again on Wednesday. So Wednesday, I'll prepare dinner from scratch and then create any add-ons needed to get me through the beginning of the weekend. Can I just point out, yes, you're a chef and yes, I'm sure you make very complicated recipes at times, but your meal prepping simple AF foods we're talking sweet potatoes. We're talking brown rice or, you know, whatever kind of grain rice we want to go there. We're talking hard-boiled eggs. Like, we're talking basic things. 
that's a moment. And I want to actually stick on that for a second because I think a lot of women believe, like I used to believe, we had to eat these really complicated foods and meals to be able to lose weight and and just be healthy, right? But it's in reality, we're hearing right now from the mouth of a chef that she eats these basic foods and the basics really take you so far. You're living proof of it. And then I make sure that I always have a few little extra accoutrements to kind of take a meal to the next level. Mm -hmm. So I keep some kimchi or some sauerkraut in the fridge. You know, I have some little dull seaweed that I can sprinkle on top of the brown rice and then I get my natural iodine. Um, So I make sure that I have a few little extras, like a little cilantro, a little parsley, just to add that extra green. So I do always have that stuff as well, which, you know, I am a chef, but that stuff tastes delicious. It finishes a meal and it makes me feel good too. So the days that I add my little sauerkraut kimchi, I know I don't have to take my probiotic supplement because I just got it naturally. So I do those little things just to help support me. You know, when I walk through the door and I'm starving and I don't want to put something together, it's just so nice to have things there. And then lastly, I'll suggest with vegetables, try to always have a vegetable or two in the fridge that you can easily prepare just by steaming or blanching. You know, vegetables don't, you don't have to roast them all. And that's going to take 45 minutes to an hour. And also you're going to get bored of roast. I mean, I love a roast veggie moment, but like you're going to get bored of it. Yeah. I'm a big blancher. So I take a pot of water. I've add some really good sea salt to it. You want it to be salty like the ocean, bring it to a boil. I throw in my broccoli florets, my broccolini, you know, my chard, my kale, and you just put it in and immediately drain it. Um, And you have a great vegetable because everything else you're putting on your plate, you know, maybe your chicken has a ton of seasoning on it or, you know, something else already is flavored. So your vegetable can be super simple. Add a little drizzle of olive oil. You're done. You're done. You're done. It should be simple. And I think it just really resonates with this whole idea of just not making this so complicated. Yes, we can make elaborate meals. I mean, I think about when I go to restaurants and I see the food on the plate when the chef, you know, makes these meals at these great restaurants. And it's like, wow, like, you know, I love food, but I don't know if I could ever make that at home. But the thing is, you don't have to have every meal like that. Like you can stick to these basics. And honestly, I'd really argue for health. Like we want the basics in our diet. Because the basics are going to be those wholesome natural foods. Um, for yourself, when you're when you're planning for your clients, um, when it comes to cooking mm-hmm. for other people, which is, you know, actually really related to the moms and you know just other people that might be listening to the show that have to cook for their families yeah. or cook for other people. How do you navigate cooking for other people and meeting their expectations as a chef, knowing that you have certain preferences or you have certain dietary needs, but other people might have different dietary needs, either more calories, less calories, more protein, less protein, you know, the differences that come up. How do you navigate that? So that was definitely a challenge to start, but... I feel like I have grown so much as a person having to surrender to the fact that every person's version of healthy is not the same as mine. Mm, And I have to understand that they know that, or I know that someday they'll get there and they really do because when you build a relationship with someone, whether it's a partner or a family member, and they start to see how good you look and feel every day, they naturally are curious about what you eat and what you're doing. So I have found with clients who are really picky on what they want to eat, but they know they need to make some tweaks because something in their life is happening that's requiring that they they level up and change. 
um, they'll start to naturally be more open to trying things that they've never tried before. And so just last week, you know, my client hates sweet potatoes. And so I decided to buy him one of the white sweet potatoes, white skin, white flesh inside. No one had ever served that version to him before. And he loved it. And it's been life-changing for him. And he's 60 years old, you know? You can see all dog new tricks. Yeah. He's eaten at the best restaurants around the world. And I served him something a little bit different. Um, Or let's say I have another client. They love pureed soups. So I'm able to sneak in all different types of vegetables and flavor profiles because as long as it's pureed, they're really open to it. So they're getting dandelion greens, they're getting kale, they're getting chard, they're getting all these different ingredients that they might have normally not by simply me adding it to some chicken bone broth, simmering it for a while and pureeing it. So I meet my clients where they are, but then I keep providing suggestions that will stretch them. And when they're ready, it's there for them to choose. If they don't, that's okay. It's not personal. Yeah. And I'm sure you experience sometimes it takes a little bit of time. At least I see this in practice where, you know, you might introduce something, but a client may have had, you know, broccoli and that's a really bad example, but they may have had broccoli one time and absolutely hate it. But then you find out how they had it and then you even have to experiment within each food how you're preparing it before you really make your final judgment call on it because you could hate something. Like I hate anchovies, but I love a Caesar salad. So it's like you need to understand how you're prepping the food and also sneaking things in. That's really what I'm hearing. And also for anyone out there that is a picky eater, being able to find ways to sneak things in, which is my next question for you. How do you sneak in healthy foods when you deal with clients that – when I say deal, I don't mean in a negative way, but you're working with clients and trying to, you know, figure out the sweet spot for them. How do you sneak in veggies or fruits or healthy foods if you're working with a client who is a little bit of a picky eater and they do want to improve their health, but they like just genuinely don't like the bitter taste of veggies, for instance? Yeah. So one of the vegetables I always start with is spinach and I blanch it in salty water because that will take away any of the salty water preserves the color of the food. So if you want to prepare a vegetable that's green and you want it to be that beautiful, vibrant oh, green. chef's kiss you, beautiful color. Yes. Not the, yeah, the puke you, you want green. that water to be salty. <laughs> exactly. If the water's salty, it preserves the color, but it also naturally takes away the bitterness. So mm-hmm. it's twofold. So one of my clients wanted chicken Parmesan. So I'm going to use organic ingredients to make the chicken Parmesan. Um, I'm going to try to find a raw Parmesan or a raw mozzarella. I'm going to steam or blanch some spinach and just add that into the dish, like all around the chicken on top of the marinara. So, you know, it's just naturally a part of the sauce. Maybe they'll dive in. I'll sprinkle it with some fresh parsley. Again, just, you know, a little extra green. So just... Simple ways like that. I love adding steamed or blanched greens mixed into any baked dishes. So if someone wants a baked ziti, oh, is it okay if this baked ziti has a little spinach or chard in there? I love chard. People are sleeping on chard. Huge fan of chard. I have on my website, Starseed Kitchen, a gluten-free white cheddar macaroni and cheese with chard. And you add tons of chard in there. And what it's really mimicking, it's almost mimicking like creamed spinach at a steak restaurant, Mm, except it's in a mac and cheese. And I found with one of my clients who had a kid, he actually preferred that part, the chard with the cheese sauce over the macaroni. So, 
you know, that's how I like to sneak it in. Yeah. Speak of kids, how do you make kids' foods healthier? I mean, obviously you making it like I love obviously a little fried chicken moment if anyone knows me on this show. And I know, okay, when I make it at home, it's going to be a little bit more nourishing than when I get it at Chick-fil-A and all the oils and sauces and things that they do there. Um, We're not here to shame anything, but when we are trying to cook more at home and you're cooking for kids, how do you make the food approachable? Because also with kids, I mean, sometimes they surprise us and they like healthy foods, but a lot of kids that I know and that I've worked with, I know they can be really, really picky because of the food culture that we're in and like the types of foods that are marketed to them and how they eat. So for like the moms out there listening to this, trying to make their kids' food healthier, but also like not have their kids hate the food and hate them. What are your tips? Like, how do you navigate that? So I just had this conversation with my client on Monday because all the food I was preparing for them was to support their three-year-old granddaughter who was going to be staying with them for the next few days. (laughs) So cute. Yeah. And they would design the whole menu around her and making sure she got the foods that she wanted for the week. And what they did is they made sure from the get-go she was eating real food, not kid food. And so that way she's really open to trying everything. And then secondly, people and kids, they actually love eating with their fingers and with their hands. You know, That's a good it tastes point. a little bit different. So I suggested, okay, I'm going to get hundred percent grass fed, grass finished skirt steak, and we'll chop it up into little strips and it'll be fun for her to eat the protein that way. I'm going to do a big Greek pasta salad. So she can choose the little noodles with her fingers, or she can choose the cucumber with her fingers. Mm. You know, there'll be options for her to enjoy and play and explore her food with her hands. Oh, I love And I think as kids get older too, I just remember a lot of kids don't like mystery with their food. They want to see it and understand what it is. So that's why I like doing a, a big pasta salad with lots of vegetables and then being able to see what a cucumber is in there, what a bell pepper is in there. And anytime you can get kids involved with the preparation process, they're most likely to eat the food. So, you know, I haven't always been a chef. I was just, you know, a normal kid, but my parents always had me involved with making the salad for dinner. We always had a salad with dinner. They would give me a little paring knife and I would be in charge with slicing the mushrooms because mushrooms are super soft and they're easy for kids to work with. Um, So giving kids a job in the kitchen At first, it's going to feel like a lot of extra work for the mom or the dad to have to guide their kid and teach them the skill, but then that can be their assignment for every Sunday night dinner. And they're going to get so much more involved when preparing the food, they're going to eat the food. Speak of making food healthier, I know I brought that up before. If someone was having a hard time with a food craving and, you know, I'm all about, as I, I know you know, like fun can fit in. We can have fun foods and we want to normalize that to improve our relationship to food. But at the same time, sometimes we want to make our fun foods a little bit healthier. And I'm all for swaps and, you know, finding ways to still fit in the fun, but be really mindful and intentional, especially as it relates to our health and our weight loss goals. So how would you navigate maybe a food craving with a client, especially like a sweet craving? Because a lot of the women listening to the show, they have sweet cravings. It's, it's you know, some people do the salty cravings, but most of my clients have sweet cravings. So what are some swaps that you would do for clients? Absolutely. I have the same philosophy with you, good, better, best. Or if you have a certain craving, then dive into it, but upgrade as many of the ingredients as you possibly can. So let's say it's a sweet craving. I'll make my clients like a lot of raw dessert. So I'm doing like a raw vegan brownie for them next week. And it's made with dates and raw cacao and nuts 
all prepared together, pressed into like a brownie mold. Then we make a nice little peanut butter fudge where we use real peanut butter, real coconut oil, you know, real raw cacao, a little maple syrup. And that creates like a nice fudge frosting. And that way they can just grab like little slices out of the fridge or the freezer as they desire. You know, I love taking like a 100% raw cacao bar, like 100% chocolate bar with no sugar, and then just adding that to a half a date. Like it's such a nice treat. And I let the date be the sweetener instead of the cane sugar be the sweetener. So I look for little edits like that. Or, you know, let's say somebody is craving macaroni and cheese. I think about every ingredient in the macaroni and cheese and how I can upgrade it. So are we going to use organic macaroni, whole wheat macaroni, or gluten-free macaroni? And then we go to the cheese. Are we going to use a raw cheddar, an organic cheddar? Are we then going to use cassava flour or a gluten-free flour or just an organic flour? And then we go to the milk, you know, organic raw milk and A2 milk. Like we upgrade each ingredient according to what works for that client's body, what their preference and goals are, and what makes them feel good. And you just kind of go down the line of whatever's in a recipe and you just think, how can I upgrade this? So when I make my chili these days, I don't use canned tomatoes. I just buy tomatoes and I just chop them up and throw them in. Like, why not? Why am I using the canned version? You know, Um, I always add a ton of chopped carrots and celery in with my chili. So I'm naturally getting a few extra little veggies in there. So that's one thing I suggest doing. If you're ever following a recipe, just go down the little list as you're building your grocery shopping list and figuring out which ingredients you can maybe take up a notch. I love it. I love how you're saying edits and upgrades. And I know you know that you're doing this, but I just think how you talk about food as a person is so important for your relationship to it. And so not thinking of it as restriction, deprivation, you can't have it, but it's like, how can we up level? How can we upgrade what we're doing now? And it's not to say you can't ever have canned tomatoes, but it's like, okay, you know, if I can make this from scratch, why wouldn't I? And I love how you're approaching this as It also depends on the client and their time and knowing what their goals are and what's realistic for them. And I think that's where a lot of diet programs and meal plans and and food plans rather really miss the mark because you have to understand what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to upgrade, what you're willing to do. And it just, it sounds like you really focus on meeting your clients with where they're at, but making those swaps a really positive thing. I love that word upgrade and, and the word edit when talking about food. I'm, I'm going to start using that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like if we talk positively about the food, it's just going to make the whole experience of eating it better. And I also really just personally, I just like to wait until I'm really craving the item, the indulgence. That's a good tip. Yeah. If you have it all the time, it's not the same. You know, like I'm not a pizza person, but if I'm ever really craving for it. I know you aren't. Yeah. Last time, Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) But like maybe, maybe, you know, four times a year or two times a year, like I'll just go for it and have the real thing. But the rest of the time of the year, like when I was in Italy, I didn't have any pasta or any, you know, I didn't have any pasta for, for the three weeks I was there. I just 
wasn't craving it. I was craving the fish and the vegetables. And I mean, it was really funny. I was so enjoying just the fresh, delicious ingredients. The last night I was there, my brother turned to me and he said, you know what? We haven't had any gelato since we've been here. And we've been here three weeks. That's that's literally blasphemy. You go to Italy and you didn't have gelato. (laughs) I mean, first on my list. It's so bizarre because I studied abroad in Italy in college. And I was there for six weeks and I ate gelato every single day. And I looked like I ate gelato every single day when I walked off the plane. But I think it also shows the evolution of even like the relationship to food. And I call it like worth it foods. Like you have to find what's worth it for you. And everything that you're saying, I'm like, you know, if you're a lot of my clients will just like myself, right? Like you buy foods predicting that you want them. But when it comes to like fun foods and cravings, actually my husband and I, we try not to buy a lot of fun foods unless it's like a planned indulgence. Yes. And not to say I'm like planning a cheat day. That's not the same thing that what I'm talking about, but it's like, if I want ice cream, I much rather go to the local ice cream shop that makes the most delicious, full fat, creamy ice cream. And it's a moment. And yeah, of course, like I buy ice cream, I buy swaps, you know, I make sweet treats at home too, but it's like, if you're trying to improve your health, why surround yourself with these fun foods? And it's almost going to just make them more tempting. And we actually know in research, it makes it more tempting when it's at eye level and you're seeing it all the damn time on TV, like you're going to want it more. So I love that tip of just like waiting, waiting until you have the craving to even pursue being around the food. When you think about cooking and cooking healthy foods for other people. What do you think are some misconceptions about cooking healthy foods that you wish the world and women really knew and understood? So I think healthy food is just really real, fresh, whole food. It's not Snackwell's cookies. It's not something that's labeled low fat or diet. It's not Jenny Craig meals from the freezer section. I'm so sorry for calling out things, but anyway, we're going there. Yeah. And it's also not eating out or a food delivery service or something that's out there that you can't afford. So there was a time when I was living in Los Angeles, Goop had just started. Everyone was talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's macrobiotic diet. And there was a macrobiotic restaurant that all the celebs ate at. And I always thought, you know what? I would be so healthy and so skinny if I could only afford to eat there for all my meals. That's so sad because other women probably feel that way too about so many things. Yeah, go through that time where they think that health is outside of their financial, you know, space. And that's when I really learned at culinary school that the healthiest meal you can eat is the one that you make at home because it's not just – it's not just the ingredients you're choosing. It's your preparation process. So it's, you know, what oils are you using? What pots and pans are you using? Um, what's yeah. your cooking method? Are you boiling, blanching, steaming, roasting? And then very much so your attitude in the kitchen. So are you playing music that's uplifting you? Are you having a good time? Are you talking positively to the food? Or are you insulting the food? Are you feeling guilty as you're preparing the food? Oh, that's a huge one. I feel like a lot of people here probably feel that way. Yeah. So if you're deciding to make yourself like a pesto pasta for dinner or you're making a pasta salad, but you're also beating yourself up while you're preparing the food, um, or you're making homemade meatballs and you're thinking like, this is just too indulgent. Why am I, you know, you're having that mental battle. You're making a negative imprint on that food, whether you realize it or not. And it might affect how you digest the food. Also, if you're sitting down and you're eating it and you're feeling guilty, that might also affect how you're digesting the food because we know so much of 
what's going on in our gut isn't just what we ate, it's our feelings. Yeah. I always say, for instance, with calories, like your calorie budget is important, but when you think calories are the only thing that matters or even just what you eat, like the ingredients are the only thing that matters, it's such a narrow way to view health and nutrition and our bodies. And I actually love that you mentioned the digestion piece because two people could eat the exact same foods, but I know it sounds a little woo-woo at times, but like your energy going into it, like your brain has a gut-brain connection. Like that's a that's a strong connection we have established through research. So if you're talking like a complete a-hole to yourself while you're making the food, you're so mad you're having this pasta because it's a carb and it's so bad and you feel so guilty, that literally is going to impact how you're digesting the food. And so for a client out there who might be struggling with cooking – not just struggling like with cooking in the kitchen, but feeling guilty while she is cooking as she's yeah. trying to branch out with her diet. What what tip or what advice would you give a woman who wants to talk better to food and, and feel better about herself, but she is still stuck in that diet culture mentality a little bit? So the number one thing I would recommend is actually playing music because then you'll get out of your head and this music's going to infuse your body from head to toe. It's going to make you shift. So I would also be really intentional about the music that I'm choosing. So you're not going to be choosing pop music that's maybe using some negative terminology. I like to choose what they call like high vibration music. So I like to choose bands like White Sun or Helperin. Um, there's some really great channels on Spotify now, like Mellow Moon. I was going to say, my husband plays BPM. And so, so I love electronic house music, which is like a little intense for some people. We do have our uplighting. So like we put that vibe on. But what we also do is he likes the chill channel, like yes. especially when he's cooking. So the it's, I guess it's not BPM, but it's like the Sirius XM chill, like EDM channel. That's really good. And it's just like the Rufus DeSoul kind of like positive vibes. And it's so funny. I actually never realized it till now because he always puts on our Sono speakers and like plays it all. But that totally enhances the mood in the kitchen. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Sometimes one of my clients will put on the New York Philharmonic and oh, I just cool. have like the most blissed out day preparing their food. Um, so play certain music that will totally sh get you out of your head. Um, another thing I like to do, like if if I come into the house and I just need to shake off the day before I prepare a meal or to get myself in the mood to prepare the meal. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say some women come home and they're like, the last thing I want to do is be all positive poly in my kitchen cooking. Okay. What do you do, Whitney? Yeah. So I open the windows and the doors. I get the fresh air into the house. So I get the energy naturally shifting and moving in the house. I actually keep sage and Palo Santo in the kitchen. So I'll just take it, light that on the stove and just like give myself away, clear all the negative energy and psychic debris off of me, you know, get it, you know, get it away. Sometimes if I feel like I can't make a decision on what I want to prepare or eat and I need to calm my nervous system, I'll just go for a walk around the block. I'll just take oh, a minute. Yeah. Um, those are the three things that I most often do that really help me reset. So I can make dinner and sit down and eat and, you know, take back my day. I love it. I love it so much. Before I let you go, Whitney, what is one way to make cooking more fun besides playing music? How do you inspire yourself after a long damn day? to get your butt in the kitchen, because I'm sure you have days, even yourself, Miss Whitney, who's a chef who cooks for other people. I'm sure there are days that you just don't want to cook. I'm sure it happens, right? Um, how do you amp yourself up to, to do it and you get the job done? I really lean on the things that I just shared with you, opening a window, 
putting on some music, staging myself, realizing for a minute that I have to put myself first in order to create the life that I want to be living because there's nothing, you know, there's nothing more important than just feeling good in your body. And I want to feel good in my body every day. And so in those moments where I come home and I'm exhausted and I open the fridge and I open the pantry and there's nothing that I want to eat, I do just take a moment and ask myself, like, what am I really craving right now? Like, what would really make me feel good? And whatever that is, I just lean into it. And I find often in those moments, like as you're preparing the meal, your everything comes back into a line. I love it. You just answered the question I was going to end off with, which is what do you make when you don't have any cravings or you don't have anything that you want, but it's really about connecting with yourself. And I think a lot of times we think of cooking as this chore. We have to do it. It's this whole big thing, this whole big process, but it's really about actually connection. And it's such an important life skill arguably important than the life skill of doing our laundry, making our bed. Like it is something that you literally, like you could not do those other things I mentioned and you would live like your house would be messy, but like, you know, it's a vibe. It happens, but like you have to eat. And I think what's so beautiful about your message is it's, it's just about connecting with your why, why cooking is important for you. It's not always going to be easy. Nothing in life is easy, but this is a skill that you have to do every day. So the sooner you get your ass in the kitchen, the sooner it's going to become a hell of a lot easier to continuously keep showing up in the kitchen. Yeah. And I invite the listeners to just make sure that they have three tools in their tool belt. Make sure that you know how to make three things and it doesn't have to be complicated. So maybe your three things are, I am great at hard boiled eggs. I can knock those out without thinking about it. I am great at making a pot of delicious fluffy rice, and I know how to do a perfect baked chicken breast. Maybe those are your three things. Or maybe you upgrade and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the whole roast chicken queen. Like That is like asking a lot, Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy. It's easy. Or like, you know. It's easy when you learn it. It's easy when you learn it. (laughs) Yes. Or your thing is, you know, you do a great soup or you have a dessert that you can always lean on. And whenever someone needs you to bring a dish, it's your dessert or it's your salad or it's your salad dressing. Like just conquer three things and they can be super simple. It could be like, you know, you know how to blanch broccolini every time perfectly, but figure out three things that are you, that are your things that you have mastered that you can do for yourself, or maybe you can do for a partner or a family member or for a friend. Just master three and you're good to go. That is such good advice because once you master three, you can master three more. Then you have six things and then it expands. But trying to become a chef overnight is not going to happen. You have to master these things and get better and better. and, And that's really what you've done. And that's what everyone at home can also do. I completely agree. And it's remember last thing, it's just food. Like don't stress. It's just food. It's food and it should be fun. Whitney, where can everyone find you? Oh, thank you. Um, You guys can find me on every social media channel from Instagram to TikTok as Whitney Aronoff. And you can also find my website and my healthy organic spices and my podcast um, under Starseed Kitchen or High Vibration Living with Chef Whitney Aronoff. Yes. And you guys, if you have not listened to it, you better go check out my episode on Whitney's podcast because we talk about some fun things there too. You guys really should because Lauren's episode has been the most popular episode on the High Vibration Living podcast. <laughs> I didn't know that. For 2023. Um, so you should- That's a vibe. You should join in and, and pick up what she shared there. Oh, it's so fun. Thank you, Whitney. 